You have been returned to another edition of Unreal to Real. We're right in the midst of another tornado, another whirlwind of controversy and media propaganda. Lately it's been the uh, abortion legislation that's been passed in Alabama, basically legally forcing women to carry any child, whether it be a child con- conceived from rape or a uh, defunct infant, um, any kind of child that will hinder her life in some way um, has to be carried to term or she could legally face up to 99 years in prison uh, for obtaining an abortion. This kind of stuff is scary to me. Um, And some aspects of vaccinations also kind of scare me a little bit. And I do see both sides of of the equation on a lot of these issues, obviously, but a lot of these um, <clears throat> moves can be used to further people's agenda. And um, in Alabama, I think that a lot of right right wing Christian um, advocates basically are using that as a way to control women's bodies without their consent, um, and that's a very scary thing. Forced vaccination to me. Uh, Forcing you legally to do something that you might not do naturally on your own. Forcing you to do something to your body that might go against your consent is very, very scary to me. And that is the one law of the land, in my opinion. Don't infringe your Christian values or your Christian rights or um, some kind of political agenda or simply because you you can make a lot of money. Um, Don't force these issues into my body, my personal sovereignty, my personal well-being. Don't legally force me to do something that um, I don't consent to. That is a scary, scary time, and I think that's the slippery slope that we're sliding down. So, we are facing a lot of problems as a modern society, and a lot of these problems are not being solved. The symptoms of these problems are being addressed, but not the root of these problems in many cases. The reason for that happening is because we're using the same mentality to try and solve these problems as the mentality that that was used to create these problems. And how do we cure ourselves of being stuck in the same routine, in the same mentality? How do we um, think outside the box if we're not able to initially think outside the box? To me, there are tools and there are ways and there are people that um, are shamans kind of of a new mentality and these shamans in a sen- in essence are the writers and the dreamers and the musicians that are creating music or creating art um, that will shift your paradigm that will make you think outside the box um, without you even being aware that you're necessarily doing so And these are the leaders, the true leaders of our society. Um, These people with vision, these people with stories, these people with uh, unique and original ways of behaving and and adapting to this new modern world. And in them, we will find these solutions. In these people, um, these innovative thinkers, we will find a way to solve uh, these issues. I met one of those innovators the other day. His name is Tom Jordan. He is a writer. He is a philosopher. He is um, 
he's just kind of out there, and I like that about him. Uh, his mind thinks a million miles a minute. You can see it registering in his eyes. And uh, when he speaks, he can reach down deep into the, um, the depths of his mind and his soul and retrieve some really cool information. And it was fun to just sit down there and talk with him. Um, we discussed writing. We discussed how the writing process is, what it feels like to be a writer. Um, you know, we talked about his books. But essentially, we talked about being fishermen and, and we're foraging for new ideas and uh, those ideas are, you know, the big catches, the big fish that are roaming around in the seas out there somewhere. And uh, when you can reel in a really cool idea and trap it in your net, uh, then you got something going. And uh, it's just a cool metaphor. It's a cool metaphor for thinking outside the box and finding solutions to these problems in unique ways. And I hope you enjoy this latest episode. It's Unreal the Real, episode 66 with Thomas Jordan. Travel well. It's Unreal to Real. Yeah, you're right in the middle of another episode of Unreal to Real. Um, man, life is crazy. Uh, sometimes you just go on random journeys. You meet random people. Uh, things just kind of fall together. And um, the universe just puts things in, in place. And it's kind of just interlocking right before you. Every step you take, there's this new path that's just been developed um, specifically for you, but in connection with everyone around you. And um, that's kind of how I feel today. I just met this guy, Tom Jordan. Uh, I, I actually, uh, one of my friends, her name's Kaylin. She actually worked at the Strader Hotel. She's a good friend of mine. She's like, why don't you give this guy a call? He's a, he's a writer. He's a really cool dude. Um, you guys would have a great chat. And I'm like, hey, that sounds like a great idea. I'm into these random new adventures all the time. So uh, I decided to give this guy a call. We're sitting here in his house and uh, we're about to discuss writing. We're about to discuss all different types of introspection and philosophy I'm, I'm anticipating. Um, but just been chatting with him a little bit. We just met each other about a half hour ago and we're going to see where it goes. And uh, thanks for inviting me to your house, man, and, and sharing a little of your insight with us all. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me on. Um, so hold on one second. Let me get the Good. So, Tom, um, you are a writer, man, and that's essentially what, what a, attracted us together, I guess, if, if that's the right word. Uh, magnetize might be better. Um, I think that writers, we were actually discussing it before, writers are a unique breed, and hopefully we're not a dying breed. Um, I'm a writer as well. Um, been published in a few different magazines as well as a novel myself, but uh, scounging around and kind of um, obviously got turned on to you and your writing and, and looked up your stuff and it's fast and furious folks. It's, it's uh, mentally liberating. Uh, you want to get, get a piece of it in you. Um, like I was telling Tom, I think that this society 
is really fast paced and, and, um, hungry in its own right. And if you can't get someone's attention just like that, then you're kind of left in the dust already. Um, with all this flashing photography and videos and, you know, constant stimulus and input, um, it's hard to be this classic writer that writes these long-winded, very eloquent novels sometimes. Um, and sometimes what the world needs is especially to get them focused back into the writing and how amazing writing is and the craft of it and the art form of it. Um, you need a writer like you to kind of put out these fast and, and furious um you know, they're like short stories, but they're almost hyper short stories, you know, one page long, page and a half long, just a, a ripping through emotion and ripping through um, someone's psyche or something and, and getting a twist on the norm. And it's super cool. Uh, his book is called, he's got a couple different books that are sitting right here in front of me. Um, the first one you did was Smut, right? Oh, okay. Epiphany was the first one he, he put out. Um, and like I said, it's just a bunch of short stories. It's a collection um, of these hypersonic kind of thrill rides that are a, a page and a half long, you know, probably 500 to 1,000 words. I'm not sure. Um, I haven't done the word count on them, but. Yeah, um, if I, honestly, if I could, my perfect book would be a short story, every single paragraph, a different crazy story. Right, and then just have it all tie in together kind of at the end. Um, that's the way these these kind of read, man. It's, um it is all, they're all varied. Uh, there's a lot of different crazy adventures going on in here. Um, but is that how your mind works? Is it like, um, I mean, for me, I, I get inspired in all these random different places and my mind almost seems to be schizophrenic at times. It's like, Oh, there's a juicy idea. There's a juicy idea. I want to write about this. I want to write about that. And it might be completely different from day to day. Um, are you similar in that fact? Um, I guess I'm always taking notes, so sometimes I'm, on this uh, latest project, it's called Triptych, um, I've been working on a few stories all at the same time, so I've always had ideas relate to a few different projects and been able to um, kind of cut and paste my stories together. Uh, my second book is very cut and paste, um, a lot of stuff from my life, um, and I put that whole book together in four months. Um, my other two books have both taken over two years to write each. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this one was mostly cut and paste parts from my life, people that I knew, um, different events, things that had blown my mind. Um, Epiphany was trying to be things that w had had blown my mind, but all of the stories in there are all trying to leave you with thinking. So right. all of them are open-ended. So at the end, you think about how they relate to each other. Um, all the stories none of them really connect one for one like that, but they all have common th threads that go throughout. Dude, that's rad. Um, so the smut is the one he's referring to. That's his latest book. Um, let the title fool you. Don't let it fool you. However you want. Um, there's, uh, I've always liked the word smut. Um, I think that it brings about this dirty, uncleanly kind of feeling. Um, but that's what you're, what you're trying to do when you're a writer, you're trying to instill emotion in people and kind of push the envelope and, uh, get people to think outside their normal everyday life. You know, um, no one wants to read a book called city market receipt, you know, <laughs> like, um, you want something that's, like I said, it's going to be uh, eye catching. It's going to draw your attention right away. We were discussing before this podcast, what is the 
is there a shelf life for a writer of of what we're doing pen and ink um kind of pencil on paper then get it printed um in, into a soft paper book or you know a hardcover book um or do you see it going full digital or do you see it more transferring into the video um stories are just basically a foundation for um, something else to bloom out of them as it kind of looks like it's going now or do you believe that there is going to be still a demand for um finding this quiet spot and sitting down with a really good book and sitting on the couch and you know having a cup of tea and just re you know kind of losing yourself to the story um that's what I love, but I sometimes I fear that that's on its way out because the writing game has changed so drastically in the last at least decade or so. Uh, what's your thoughts on all this? Um, honestly, all my books are actually published. Um, I offer Kindle only for um, people who buy my books in color because both my books have color versions, but when I put them out through CreateSpace, they wouldn't let me pretty much Amazon wouldn't let me price my books at a certain level. So they made me price them a little higher. So I said, what can I give them for, for free with this for them paying a higher price? So that's where I put my Kindle. Really, I don't want somebody to read my books without having a physical copy of them right. because I think it is a different experience. I don't want people to lose that. That is, that's something I always loved. It's, it's very important to me. It's why, it's why I did it like that. Yeah, and um, the colorized artwork is kind of a... Um, it's part. It's like the skin of of the body of the the novel. I I really try and integrate a lot of vi visual 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 aspects when I write as well, um, because essentially I'm trying to convey a visual scene to the reader. Um, and if you can, you know, like if you have a, an object maybe or a signpost or something that's very eerie or you know an integral part of the story, and you can show it. Um, it locks into that that vision of that that reader's head, and it's it's a cool thing to do. Um, you know, I think that you're absolutely right when we look at the digital aspect of writing now. Um, you're taking the artwork out of it, man. It's like you're taking the soul out of it. Uh, people just are writing for corporations or they're writing for uh, a blog that means nothing instead of like really writing to create um, almost a tangible art form in its own right you know um, the story itself should look a certain way it shouldn't just be like glinting on the screen it should have a feel and a smell and a like a physical um presence to it you know yeah i feel like we're always stuck to our screens. so when i'm reading it's mostly to get away from yeah, me right. looking at my screen so it defeats the purpose yeah it is that escapism um, um, but I, I like to use something visual for a lot of my stuff too um Really, the art for my newest book has inspired a new story in my book because I just lived with it in my room for so long that um, it became part of my thinking. Okay. And um, also, I wrote a story, and then later I realized that there was something physical that went with it that I had seen when I was in um, San Francisco at a curiosity shop called Love to Death. Little strange transitions of afterlife, and the way that they did the life cycle is that it looks like it has two extra stages of its life cycle. One of it is the amorphous silk, and one of it is the silk woven into something that resembles the silkworm itself. And um, Whoa. when I was writing a story that was about a few different phases of afterlife, 
this came back to my memory and I had to find it. <laughs> and I spent forever looking for this thing and I was so happy I finally found it. That is cool. Um, to, to explain it a little bit um, better, it's just basically a little tiny, um, it looks it's like- It's in Lucite. Okay, I was gonna say Lucite. Um, I was gonna say plastic, but it is actually, it's Lucite. Um, so they have these, uh, it's all labeled, the, the Lucite's labeled, and there's these different stages of the silkworm that's actually entrapped inside this Lucite. So it's a really nice looking kind of um, plaque almost that you can put up, you know, you can just sit there and, and, and examine. Um, but it's really cool, I'll take a picture of it so people can have that tangible look um, with, with the podcast. Um, it is, man. It's fun to play with how these ideas come to us and what they mean and how we can adapt them and expand them. You know, like you might see, you saw this, this thing in a, a curiosity shop in San Francisco and it, um, triggered your brain to, to, to do something. And it, you know, it opened up a, a wormhole of information for you where you started, hmm, I wonder what this might happen if you know you're creating a story from from what you saw and that's the key and when you're a writer um you're essentially a fisherman i like to think of it you're um because i think writer is not really any different necessarily than pretty much anyone i think everyone's always creating stories and you know you leave a first date or something with someone and you're like you know, you're getting in your car and you're thinking, oh, I should have, I could have done this or I could have kissed her or maybe I could have held her hand or I could have said this better, you know, and it's like you're, and people are always just kind of um, manifesting these stories inside their head all the time anyway. But what we do as writers is like, we're, we're, we're drifting on the same sea of ideas that everyone else is, but we're kind of casting out our net and reeling in these these ideas and then putting them down on paper and saying, hey, look, this is the idea I got from the ether world, you know, from the from the deep seas, and now I'm putting it on paper so that everyone else can see it too. Um, and it makes it more tangible. It makes it more lucid. And when people are, you know, connecting to it, like other people might say, hey, you know what? I have been on a date like that. I'm glad you wrote about, oh, I was being nervous or – you know, I'm glad you could captivate that for me because I've always wanted to read about that. And and I think that the best writers can kind of tune in to what we always feel and what we, what we all think about and then create a story out of that along those boundaries, you know. I think maybe it's a different way of thinking as well where so much of what you're taught in school is memorize this and answer something one for one. Don't just sit there wondering about something, thinking about different ways it could go, letting your imagination run. That's where I, I'm able to create. When yeah. I just sit there for a while, it looks like I'm in a daze. And I am. I'm, I'm yeah. lost. I'm, I'm thinking I'm connecting different ideas. I'm putting stories together that I loved. And I'm trying to see how they could connect to each other to form a longer story. Yeah, man. And it's a beautiful thing. When you're in that zone, you're not thinking about, oh, I need to memorize this. And, you know, you're not thinking about the mass. Um, you don't give a shit about algebra or geometry or... Um, you're just a vessel and you're open to any interpretation that's coming through you because you're at the same time, you're a filter. Um, your voice as a writer is going to be much different than my voice as a writer or is much different than J.R.R. Tolkien's voice as a writer, J.R. J.K. Rowling's voice as a writer. And that's what makes it so cool is that um, you and I could write essentially about the same thing. We could write about this podcast that we're having today 
And your story and my story are going to be vastly, vastly different. So it just shows that we're living in different worlds, even though we're right here looking at each other, talking to each other. But um, if we both were to write this, the story of this instance right now, um, whoever would read the two different contrasting articles or, or stories would be like, whoa. I mean, like the way you put it and the way you put it, totally different. It's like you guys are, one's on Mars and one's on Venus, you know? It's almost... Um, one person can see something so alien, and another person can see it very normal. You I know? think uh, Hunter S. Thompson with Gonzo style, he yeah. like broke into that kind of idea. Um, and, um, yeah, I think that um, when you're a writer, you make choices about your own style. And you say, this is how I want to convey my ideas. For me, one of the things Kurt Vonnegut gave to me was try to say everything as clearly and concisely as you can just simple um, so that you could pass your idea to someone else um, my other friend he breaks everything much longer and anytime yeah. he has a simple sentence he breaks it up and elaborates on it for me I'm trying to that's a conscious decision that I wrote like that yeah and um, those decisions that you make about how you want to present your ideas or um, just your voice completely changes uh, the the story depending whether it's me or you in the same exact context yeah man and um it is it is uh, for me i always try and write as concise as i can but there's some ideas that i'm like man i really feel like elaborating and stretching this baby out a bit you know and um when i'm really onto a good idea i i it, it's a tough struggle as a writer because you want to make sure that someone grasps the magnitude of what you're thinking but at the same time, you don't want to kill the horse. You don't want to keep saying the same sentence over and over again that's just slightly different. You know, people are like, okay, I get it, I get it. The guy's head exploded, you know? Like, how many times do you have to say it? How, how many ways can you explain it? Um, but really, when you're in that writing groove that you're talking about, um, it is, it's kind of a, a flow, an ebb and flow. You'll know when to hit the gas pedal, and you'll know when to, like, Okay, this is this is an action scene, or this is an, a sequence that needs some motivation to really power through here, and then it's quick and concise and like rapid fire, like you're writing. You want to convey a lot of ideas like with a punch, um, and then there's sometimes when you're like, you know what, I need to be a little more poetic and almost romantic with it, you know, not just force it through, but like let's let's play a little, let's do a little foreplay here, let's let's pump the brakes, let's kind of gradually ease into this monster of idea that i have or you know the depth of the cruelty of a character or you know your protagonist is is saving the day so you don't want to just insta flash and have it be over with you kind of want to savor that and these are the moments that we're looking for as writers of like oh man this is gonna this is gonna make or break my story this is gonna make or break the scene um and if i do it wrong like if i if i kill it too much throw too many verbs at it you know too many adjectives at it um, it's it's not gonna have that same impact as like a crisp, uh, fluid punch, you know, of of words. But at the same time, uh, I wanna I wanna you know stretch that thing out a little bit too. And so it is. It's a dance that we writers play, and we're dancing all the time. Of like, how much information am I pumping into people? How much do I want to just be a flash? Boom, boom. That scene's done. Kill them. Done. Kill them here. Done. 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 And um, like you're saying, it is. It's that's what develops your style, you know. 
Yeah, and really, it always gets me in editing because one of my favorite writers is Aesop Rock, and <laughs> pretty much every one of his lines, he just every single word is as big as it can be and elaborate as it can be and he just you, you could tell he just edited it and edited it down to, to he had this story and he wanted to tell it as eloquently as he possibly could um for me i feel like I, i'd lose you some of um, my poetry at the end of one of my books is like that and i feel like when people read it they might not get the whole story behind yeah. it um but i was also purposely trying to be flowery to be confusing because the story revolves around confusion right and it is a trick it's like in your head, it always makes sense, you know. Um, but another kind of obstacle that us writers have is that how do I convey this idea? How do I display it on a silver platter so that someone eats it and ingests it and realizes the same thing that's in my head? And, um, you know, a lot of times it's like in the middle of the night, I'll think that I wrote this amazing poem, you know, and, and in that instance, and in the realm that I was feeling my state of mind, perhaps, um, whether I'm tired, whether I'm maybe using drugs at all, or maybe um, being completely sober or fasting, um, maybe I'm, I'm feeling sluggish from eating too much, you know, um, it all kind of takes its turn on how I'm feeling at that moment. And then so my writing should be an example of that. Um, but but then in the morning, you know, I've, I've woken up and I've read things and I'm like, man, I'm not, somehow I'm not getting the same feeling sometimes. And so it really is that trick of like the perfect sentence, the perfect flow. And then that should kind of unveil that feeling that you were having when you, when you wrote that. Yeah. And I tend to have a lot more notes than I use. So yeah. I have books and books when I'm, when I start feeling like I'm uninspired, I just go back through my notes. I have tons to go through. I go through the dictionary sometimes. Uh, usually, whenever I wrote poetry, I go all the way through the dictionary with the idea and write down all the words. So I have a few notebooks that are just all the words that have to correlate with love, all the ones that have to do with sex, all the ones right. that have to do with anger, all the ones like that, that that were my favorite words that were really punchy to me. And then I use these. Uh, Salvador Dali inspires me. I just went to Spain with my wife um, in February. Oh, nice, man. And... Congrats. That was one of the most inspiring trips ever. I got to see art from my favorite artist. I got to eat food from my favorite chef on earth. And I got to see um, the Sagrada Familia, which, in my opinion, is the most beautiful building on earth. Wow. Um, and it has thousands of sculptures all around it. And sure. I love sculptures. I proposed to my wife in Brook Green Gardens in South Carolina, and it's the biggest sculpture park in America. And it's 2,000 acres. And um, like 3,000 sculptures there and it's just gigantic and it's just uh, manicured gardens and beautiful and uh, yeah just uh, objects have inspired me as well and the things that the it's the same thing as unreal to real where you have an idea and you have it so thought out then you can manifest it into reality into yeah. something physical and yeah. um, it works the other way too where something physical ends up giving you the, the reverse inspiration you could feed off somebody who was inspired for 70 years, somebody who created thousands of pieces of art. You could go see Salvador Dali's works and each one has an idea behind it. Yes. And you're right, man. That's the beauty too, is that oftentimes these ideas, you know, Salvador Dali was a, uh, a maestro. I mean, that guy is 
way out there, way pushing the boundaries of art and what we think is reality and, and what we interpret um, as something functional as opposed to something um, that's just completely abstract. And that guy was always pushing the, the limits. But um, that's, what, that's what this whole trip was about. Yeah. Um, really, Anthony Gaudi he designed a building that wasn't going to be built for a finished for a hundred years. It's still not going to be finished for 25 years. Wow. He designed it, you know, in the early, early, um, well, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, okay. we'll, he's, we'll he's, it he's been working on that for, uh, they've been working on it forever and they'll work on it at, well after his death. And the same thing with, um, um, my favorite chef, uh, they pretty much their brothers, the, the Adrias, um, they invented molecular gastronomy in Spain, and they wow. used to have a restaurant called El Bulli. And yeah, they would um, they think on a completely different level to con to construct something that has never been done before. And that's what they try to do with every single one of their dishes and try to blow your mind with it. And that's a lot of what we're trying to do with our craft is I'm trying to blow your mind as many times as I can in my yep. books. Yeah. Um, and I love, this is why I love talking to guys like you and culinary artists as well. And any kind of artists like that is, it is pushing the, the boundaries of what we know, because that is what we're doing is we're creating something from the unknown. So what, what people know isn't on our palate, you know, we're creating from a palate that's in the unknown, that's in the, on these realms that no one knows about until we are there to discover them ourselves. And then we're bringing something back to the rest of the people, to the rest of the tribe, you know? And it's like, we are our own Lewis and Clark. We're, we're forging new rivers of thought and checking out new lakes of ideas and, and hopefully uncovering new civilizations in our own minds. You know what I'm saying? And, and saying, holy shit, I'm bringing it back. I got to tell everyone I know what I just saw. You know, this idea or this new civilization or this new river or this new thoroughfare through our, our country here is, is never been seen before. You know, this whole new concept that it's going to blow people away. And you're on it. You're, as a writer, you're trying to to blow people away you're trying to reveal their true adventurer you know their explorer and everybody it's and rad man one of the things i think about passing someone ideas that are larger than themselves is giving them multiple ideas and letting them put them together in their own way and that's exactly why i write the way i do too because it's hard to tell sometimes the the line through my books and exactly how all the stories are connected but it's because once you I, I'm leaving it for you to put together in your own mind I don't I don't hand it to you um yeah I listen to uh TED talk I love TED talks they're also very short and yeah. mind-blowing and um it was from um someone who was write a writer for Pixar and ended up working on Toy Story and on Finding Nemo and he was talking about exactly what you were saying earlier where you don't say everything straight out you give people one plus one you don't give them whatever whatever they're working on if they're working on a, a new dish they could take the inspiration from one of the stories and, and twist it in their own way and use it for whatever they're working on amen man and isn't that the coolest thing about the universe is we're all feeding on each other like this is how we move forward you have a cool idea. Holy shit, that's a great idea. Never thought about that before. But what about this twist on it? 
and then I add my own element to it. And then someone hears that element and they're like, oh my God, that is a great idea. And that twist is an amazing twist. Here's my take on it. And then they feed it to their kids or generationally down the, the linear line, they see this this thing blossom through us you know we're the ones that are handing it off that fire the fire the flame is the story and we keep lighting it and 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 it burns somewhere else and now it's a wildfire somewhere else you know it's like that's the cool thing we're all pitching coal into this machine of of consciousness and you know when we're when we're really grooving um ideas are just flashing books are being made you're writing stories i'm writing stories we're we're doing video we're we're flying to the moon. We're creating new things. You know, we're scientists are testing the boundaries of maybe a physical molecule, or chefs are creating a culinary masterpiece that no one's really tasted before. These, this is what makes life worth living, man. Because there's so many people creating so many cool things, and we're in this kind of whirlwind of it, and all this innovative ideas and and in automobiles and machines and technology and medicine and in introspection you know like drugs and you know all these different things that that were available that are available to us um that we can just kind of explore in and dance in and it's pretty rad man and when um when there's a collective i really believe that there's a collective consciousness and i really believe that there's a lot of great people doing a lot of great things and I see that as a steamroller that's going to somehow roll over all the industrialized robotic bullshit that people feed on very easily. You know, the corporate crap and the um, live by the rules crap. And, you know, like you said, the schooling um, has forced you to memorize this and act a certain way and dress a certain way and only speak a certain way. And, you know, Etiquette is first and foremost um, as a tool instead of critical thinking, you know? And there's an obstacle that we as writers are trying to get over collectively with all the other musicians and artists and chefs, and that's to kind of pulverize this archaic way of thinking and, and come up with a new world that's all about ideas and innovation and damn with damn to hell the people that say we can't do it you know that's the vein that writers live in and musicians kind of feed on you know and i love being in it and i love having conversations with like this with you because you're part of the team man you're on the front lines with me and um we're creating a new world together and it's super really really cool to do and be a part of and there's a lot of us that are doing it and amen and um uh, folks, if you're out there listening to this, go run out, grab his his books. Um, you do need to see them. They're colorized. They're the art on both of these is so rad on the front. And um, I'm gonna take a picture of the, the painting that you showed me. Uh, who's the painting by again? Let's give a shout out to that Jim Fagora. Jim Fagora. And um, I also had Paris Mancini work on my first book, Epiphany, and I had my friend Denise Clark work on my second um, my second book, Smut. Yeah. So. These are the artists that are contributing to this mechanism of awesomeness that I'm talking about. Um, you're part of it too, man. I'm part of it. You know, we're leading the charge. There is a revolution going on, um, and it's not a violent one. It's it's one of the mind. And when we can um, control everyone's mind, and I know that sounds weird, but control in the way that like 
revealing to them what's really going on. That it is cool to be artistic and to explore whatever insight might come your way and do your own thing and find your own craft and, and challenge yourself and get better at it and say, fuck the man, you know? That's what you do. And that's how we change the game. And we're doing it. Like people like you that are like, hey, you know what? Um, this is what I love to do. I like to to make ripples in the in the world and then write that ripple down and explain it and analyze it and send it out to the masses and let them read about it, you know? And that's the cool shit. Um, psychologically, we can change this world like I'm talking about. And I think that um, you're one of those helpers. You're one of those aides and the guides that, uh, can get people to that next plateau of human living and human being, you know? Um, so it was a goddamn blast to talk with you, man. Um, do you have anything else you want to say? Can you plug yourself? Uh, give us a, you know, where can we find you? Um, um, really, I like to stay hidden. Um, I like to pass out my okay. works, and I don't really want people to come find me. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's been <laughs> funny about that. But, yeah, I just want to put it out there. I don't really want to be connected to it in that way, <laughs> which, is, yeah. which is really hilarious as a writer. Um, I found it as a kind of juxtaposed to it as well. But, no, um, I get it, man. It's like you want your work to speak for yourself, you know. So um, all, all of them, um, Epiphany and Smut, are on Amazon because Amazon got – Bought out by Create Space, so now they're my publishers. Okay. And my third book will be out in September. It's called Triptych. Okay, so look for Triptych. Um, obviously, you can get Epiphany and Smut right now on Amazon. Go get it. Worth the, worth the money, trust me. Um, they're rad pieces of, of short stories, guys. Uh, both collections of, of awesome things going on. Um, yeah, Keep an eye out for this guy, although he's going to be hidden. He's a, <laughs> he's a secret assassin. He's he's the shadow on the wall. Um, but that shadow's creating a lot of really cool shit. Um, so get out there, do some new stuff, read some new books, uh, read some Thomas Jordan. Um, it's going to blow your mind, and I appreciate it, man. High five, bud. Thank you so much. Hopefully we got that high five on, on audio. I think we did. Um, awesome. It's been another episode of Unreal to Real. Um, this one's for you writers fans. I mean, we we just want to take a trip down the old mind, and uh, hopefully we can uh, present a little of that insight to you guys out there in Never Neverland. I appreciate it once again, Thomas. Um, it's been an awesome trip, man. I'm glad to see you working, and um, thanks for giving us a little time. Thank you so much.